0: One big bank is single-handedly holding back the industry. You're in the right place folks because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Copenhagen. This year's David Hansen. It is Tuesday, right David? I getting think so. ready getting ready for Thanksgiving oh, so. just a couple of days away. For the DC residents, last night, tough night, Redskins lose again. They're now 3 and 8. Is there any hope for RG3 and the boys?
1: No, season's over. I'm not a Redskins fan, though, are you?
0: Yeah. Why, not? You Why wouldn't I be? I don't know. RG3, Alfred Morris.
1: RG3 is that he's doing a little bit reverting to the mean here. Had a great rookie year, not so good sophomore year, just reverting to the mean. That's what it is. You're going to revert to the mean, you jerk.
0: <laughs> Let's get to the headlines before I get angry here. First headline FDIC. FDIC insured institutions earned $36 billion in the third quarter of 2013. This is a the regular quarterly profit report from the FDIC. Uh, bank profit for the third quarter was down from last year. Last year it was thirty-seven point five billion. This third quarter thirty-six billion. However, I love this. The FDIC said, but that decline was driven mostly by a four billion dollar increase in litigation expenses at one institution. Mm. Three guess? No, one guess as to who that institution was. Uh. Maybe Regent? No, J.P. Morgan. <laughs> J.P. Morgan, indeed. Well, at least that's what I assumed. They did not yes. say it. Um, the trends, uh, looking through this data, the trends mostly continue to be looking like they're moving in the right direction. Uh, credit quality is improving. I th- if we ad- adjust the profit for J.P. Morgan's litigation, uh, adjusted profit would be improving. Uh, there are fewer unprofitable banks out there. So this all looks like good news. Uh, net interest margin, however talk about this a lot. Net interest margin continues to fall down to 3.26% from 3.42% in the third quarter of last year. And the FDIC wrote, the average margin is at its lowest level since the 3.2% reported in the fourth quarter of 2006.
1: Yeah, it's it's more of the same. The banks are in healthy condition, relatively healthy condition here. Strong capital levels, strong deposit bases, but just not quite the demand there to, to go with the interest rates to, to get that net interest margin up. It'll probably come back over time. It's a cyclical business, but right now we're kind of at a low point, so it'll take time. It's also a little bit of the Fed working yeah. its magic, right? <laughs> got a little bit of an impact in Zero, there. Zero percent uh,
0: key interest rate by the Fed, that'll, that'll help pull down the margin.
1: Yeah, it's, it's more <laughs> the same. Not, not a big surprise here by this report. It, it's, it's almost to the point where a lot of the, the bad banks... Have gotten rid of their their bad problems, and everyone's getting more on a, on an even scale here, or, or a more even scale. Everyone's facing similar problems now. There's not as much, what's the word, idiosyncratic problems out there, I guess, Ooh. if you will. I was there's say a two- outliers. Yeah, there's a, there's a word, but there's not as much as that. <laughs> there's it's, a word. It's now going to get down to who can kind of operate more efficiently, and that's going to be the the profit drivers going forward. Fair enough. Amen. All right. Second headline, from Bloomberg. Speed traders. Meet Nightmare on Elm Street with Nanex. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Nanex. Yeah. What is Nanex, and why is it why is it similar to Freddy Krueger for these Bl-
0: traders? Bloomberg has a way with words. They do with their, with their headlines. Uh, Nanex is a it's a small operation, but they it's a a, a market. Uh, basically, they do market tracking software. It looks at uh, data uh, trades. They they focus on very small increments of time. Very very small increments of time and. Nanex has made a name for itself. This isn't really its profit. I mean, its profit driving business is providing data and software. Um, but but the company has made a name for itself, and the founder Eric Hunsader, by looking at these very small increments of time and the trades happening over those time periods, and looking for places where they believe high speed traders are skirting the rules or doing outright immoral if not illegal things in order to gain a little bit of a profit edge and so that's that, that's what this article was basically about uh what hun Seder and nanex has been looking at and how this is at least a headache at the very least for uh for high-speed traders and the rest
1: of the industry so for for long-term investors like we are here this isn't we shouldn't care about high-speed traders because i mean i think that it's great. If you want to do high-speed trading and take advantage of small price discrepancies or whatnot, great. But that doesn't impact the way I think about a business over 5, 10 years. Do you?
0: Well, I, I've, I've actually talked with uh, Hunt Sater in the past, and I understand where he's coming from. I understand the things that he's looking at. But, yeah, for, for those of us that are looking at investing as buying a piece of a business and thinking in terms of 5 years, thinking in terms of 10 years, I think the benefits outweigh the problems. Now, there are issues that when you're buying – if, if, you're, if you're front, front run by, by some high-speed trader, maybe you don't get the price you should have gotten on the right. front end. And I guess that's a problem. But when you think about the way the computer trading brings down costs of buying and selling, that's a positive. And frankly, computers don't look at the businesses the way we do. They're thinking in these sub-second increments and, and about all kind of wonky stuff going on in there. And so I think if anything, there's maybe opportunities created by computers looking at things that don't matter over five years or 10 years, but maybe we'll push down a price uh, so that we can get a better price Mm -hmm. uh, because of something going on that matters in the sub-second increment, but not in the five-year increment. What I will say is that disruptions that are caused for businesses based on these high-speed traders, so if we think about the business at NASDAQ and the business at NYSE, which is now owned by uh, Intercontinental Intercontinental Exchange. I always have trouble getting that one out. So disruptions caused to those businesses are an important outcome because that's a business outcome, not just a trading outcome. All right. Good point. Third headline of the day. We're at the Wall Street Journal. J.P. Morgan settlement misconceptions debunked. So we've got the $13 billion settlement for J.P. Morgan. And this author is looking at what he believes are a few misconceptions stemming uh, stemming from the settlement. And trying to tell us why they're misconceptions.
1: One of the misconceptions, I think it was one of it wasn't clear if he thought this was a misconception or, or, or whatnot, but it said holding JP Morgan liable for the acts of Bear Stearns and Washington Mutual, which it acquired during the financial crisis, will make such deals impossible in the future. Now, I'm not sure which way he, he stood on that, it wasn't clear, but I disagree that that these deals will be impossible in the future because if you think about who is kind of asking JP Morgan to do these? It was the Federal Reserve, their regulator, the FDIC, their regulator, the Treasury. They have a relationship with them too. So anytime, I, I, I wouldn't use the word in, that these deals will be impossible in the future. Anytime your regulator asks you to do something, I think they still have an upper hand. So if we were to get into a situation where deals needed to be made, I'm not, I don't think that it's right to say that it, will never happen again. So I
0: think you're actually kind of on the same page. It was a little bit confusing to follow yeah. some of it, but he was saying that the misconception was that the deals couldn't happen again, and he was basically saying, who knows, maybe they could, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you're coming off on the same side. One of the other misconceptions that I like, and and again, you and I are both shareholders of J.P. Morgan, so this rings true, Claims uh, he claimed that it was a misconception that shareholders are the biggest loser from this settlement, and um, and he talked about well there's some of the settlement is is eligible for tax breaks so they can the company can save on taxes, and that flows back to the shareholders and then also talks about the share price going up following mm-hmm. the deal that's all well and good, but you don 't get the tax breaks unless you pay out thirteen right. billion dollars, so you know what as a shareholder, rather not give out the thirteen billion dollars and we'll forego the tax breaks as far as the share price going up that's that 's share price dynamics that 's mm-hmm. market dynamics that doesn 't have to do with the business that's This is still thirteen billion dollars and i 'm i 'm talking about it big picture here yeah. it 's not actually thirteen billion dollars coming off the uh, The book value. Mm -hmm. But you got $13 billion flowing out of the book value. That affects the value of the company. And uh, whether or not whatever the market decides to do, that's the market. That's not the business.
1: Yeah. The taxes, it's like if I punched you in the face, it's like, I'm going to punch you in the face as hard as I can, but I'm going to give you some ice afterwards. (laughs) It's like it doesn't get rid of the initial punch. It still hurts. So I'm with you on the taxes. I'd rather you not punch me in the face. I'll save it.
0: Unless it could get us more podcast subscribers. That'll work. that could get us... For 1,000 podcast subscribers, I would let you punch me in the face. There you go. Tell your friends so I can
1: punch Matt in the face here. (laughs) All
0: right. Our focus for today. I was thinking about this yesterday, that as we move into the holidays, it's, generally speaking, it's a bad idea for people to be checking their stocks on a daily basis. But as we get into the holidays, family's around. There's a lot of things to do. Uh, If you're not cooking, you're probably helping somebody cook. You're probably cleaning something up. You're watching the kids. You're... Cleaning the house, getting ready for in laws to come in, you may not, even with your smartphone, you may not have a chance to indulge yourself in Mm -hmm. checking stocks on a daily basis. So it got me to think what are some stocks that you could buy and forget about, not feel like you have to? And and again, you shouldn't feel like you have to check your stocks on a daily basis. Make it monthly or make it quarterly, even if you Mm can. but but what are a couple of stocks that we see out there right now, that feel like good stocks? Or, or um, I keep saying stocks; I should be saying companies. Good companies uh, that that we could buy and not feel like we have to
1: constantly check up on. David, what do you got? All right, you want to want to go back and forth? One 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 one. That'll work. I only got one. Oh, you only got one? I, I got two. Only told I only told you one.
0: Oh, Slacking. Always trying to one up me.
1: All right, I'm going to go with. Uh, I
0: could pull another one out of my out of my head. Out of
1: something. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a, a company that we don't talk about a lot, but it's, it is in the financial sector. Going with Bank of New York Mellon. Okay. So we rarely talk about this bank because it's pretty darn boring. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you're not going to interact with Bank of New York Mellon every day. If, you, if you're hearing about it in the news, it's probably because they are the, the trustee in this Bank of America lawsuit with all these private investors. And that kind of highlights what they do. They're, they're a custodial bank. They do all these behind-the-scenes stuff. For Wall Street banks, for asset managers, for big mutual funds, pension funds. So they provide a lot of boring services, but they're necessary services. And as we get just more of a global economy here and things become more interconnected, companies like Bank of New York Mellon are going to continue to be needed. They're somewhat heavily regulated now. They, they did get dinged in the financial crisis, but it's a heavily regulated bank. Helps, helps Wall Street banks over there. And your boy, Warren Buffett over at Berkshire Hathaway owns about 2% of the company. He likes it. I think Bank of New York Mellon is a bank that you can feel comfortable with and sleep well at night.
0: My boy, my go. boy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually feeling sleepy just hearing you talk <laughs> about Bank of New York Mellon. So the one I have is is a little bit less sleepy. It's eBay. And we've talked about it on the show before. may surprise some people that we're talking about eBay on a show about financials. But 40% of eBay's revenue, more than 40%, uh, this past nine months comes from its payments division. And obviously, a lot of that in the payments division is PayPal. And I think this is a really good business. PayPal has got the the digital payments, uh, digital transfers dialed in. Um, I'm very excited about this business going forward. Um, it, for me, and, and for a lot of other people I know, in terms of getting money back and forth between friends, between family members. It's pretty much a no-brainer. You just say, well, send it to me over PayPal, mm-hmm. and it's, it's as easy as that. Uh, PayPal's been branching out. It's got this deal with Discover, mm-hmm. trying to get into brick-and-mortar stores, trying to expand its presence that way. Just recently, uh, PayPal sound, signed up with one of my favorite private companies, Uber, and now you can pay for uh, your Uber ride. Yep. Uh, that's a—it's a It's a private car service, like a taxi service, uh, with PayPal. And I actually got a $15, $15 off coupon. That was that was pretty sweet, that's nice. I gotta say. Uh, this is the, the reason I'm I'm saying this as the buy and forget is because this is still a business on the come. This is still a business that's that's building, that's growing, and you do not want to be watching this on a daily basis because there's going to be a lot of a lot of this yep. along the way. It, For those it, of you listening, Matt's doing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a I'm, I'm, I'm wiggling, <laughs> wiggling my hand up in the air. You've got so, so. What we want to think about is point A to point B, and point B is when PayPal is much bigger, handling a much larger volume of payments, is accepted a lot more merchants. Yep. Um, but what we don't want to worry about is those squiggles in between.
1: I think that's a good pick, and this is one that's been on my radar. I'm going to take Thanksgiving time. It is, it is a good pick. Dave. I'm going to take the weekend to, to look into eBay a little bit more because it's, it's down five percent this year when the market's up over. 20%. So it's been a pretty big laggard. You mentioned the partnership with Uber. Also went out and bought the company that controlled Venmo, which was a kind of an up-and-coming uh, peer-to-peer payment system. So I think there's a lot to like at eBay. Correct. Do you want, do you want my other one? Yeah, do we have go time? Ahead. go ahead. All right, I'll, I'll be quick. This is not a financial company, so I'm, I'm going to get a little, bit, a little bit interesting here for I'm our listeners. Are allowed to do that on this show? Are we allowed? We'll have to clear it with legal afterwards. Um, going with TechStainer and you going to say, what? What is that? No, no, no. Ticker, I know what it. it is. I'm again. Ticker is TGH. This is the largest Leesor of intermodal containers.
0: Is it lesor? or is it Lesser? Lesser.
1: lesor. Either way. Either way, it's a good I'm, company. I'm, sh- I'm
0: sure there is a... Wtmi at fool.com. That's our email address. I'm sure there is a listener right now that's saying, you guys just screwed that up.
1: or lesser. So, intermodal containers are those huge metal boxes you see on ships, in shipping yards, on the back of trucks... They're the biggest leasor of this, and it pays around a, almost a 5% dividend. This is basically a play on global activity and shipping across the world here. This is one that you can sit back, watch the business. Again, it's going to have its ups and downs, but I think this is a good play on the global economy, if you will.
0: Okay, I told myself I wasn't going to mention this company because we talk about it all the time, but since I can't let you one-up me <laughs> two-to-one here, I'm going to say Markel. You can buy Markel, have it in your portfolio. Check back on it five years from now. What I love about this business is the options that it has to deploy its capital. It's got a great insurance business. It's a great insurance operator. It's got Markel Ventures, where it's buying whole companies, similar to what Berkshire Hathaway does. Great investor in Tom Gaynor there at Markel. And then, of course, if they, if they wanted to, pay, pay dividends, yep. buy back stock. Lots of options there at Markel. Uh, great well-run company. Boom. Boom. Two to two. All right. No one-upping from you. All right. Uh, moving on to our mailbag, our email address, wtmi at fool.com. We love getting emails. Uh, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to say anything financials related or stock. Mm-hmm. Just, say, just say hi. Just you say hi. Like, I had like a couple of eggs for breakfast. Yeah. We'd appreciate it. I, 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 had, I had a bagel for breakfast. Egg yeah, let us, let us know. Or you can also ask questions or, or comment or whatever. This is a comment. Question, this comment here. This is from Mike V. This is one of, our, one of our favorite, one of our avid viewers. Mike writes, if you observe anyone with a vested interest in money management or brokerage, the period just ahead is always a stock picker's market. I've never heard anyone say we've just left a stock picker's market. Never. Mike was responding to the fact that we were talking about the fact that we thought that this we were currently
1: in a stock picker's market. I said I hated that question when you asked me. You asked me if it's a stock picker's market. I said I hate that <laughs> question. It's always a stock. I mean, it, he's right. It's, when is, there's never been a time where someone's like, uh, stupid to buy stocks, let's just put everything in an index fund. There's never been a time that way. But for some people, there should. You know, We talk about uh, whether it's a stock picker's market. You should stay with what your method is. If you're an index fund person and a mutual fund person, stay with that. Even if people say it's a stock picker's market, if you like picking stocks and you enjoy it and you're good at it, keep doing that. Do you agree? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. If
0: you're a stock picker, it, it's, always it's stock always. Pi- if, if you're not, don't be a stock mm-hmm. picker because somebody said it's a stock picker's market. If, if, if you don't research stocks, if you hate SEC filings, if you'd rather be watching football than watching this show, for yep. instance. Who would rather watch football than this show? I don't know. But if you would rather, if you would go for that trade-off, put your money on low-cost index funds, and even if people were saying this is a stock picker's market,
1: just do yep. your thing. Great, great point by Mike, too, to kind of be aware of who's telling you that. If someone's saying, you've got to start picking stocks, could be someone with a vested interest. So, good point by Mike.
0: Though I, I imagine there's not too many passive indexers that are listening to our show. Perhaps. So. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Pass it on if to you, a passive if index. you are a passive indexer listening to this show, thumbs up for you. Do what you do, enjoy it. We've got a game for today. That game is would you rather? Yep. In this game, we take two things. We're going to start with Visa and MasterCard. David, would you rather own Visa or MasterCard straight
1: up? I know what you're going to say, so I'm going to go the opposite. Going with MasterCard. We talk about Visa being the dominant global player right now. Uh, but I'm going with MasterCard less dependent on the debit card uh, product, which I, which I think will slowly start to give ground to the credit card product there. Like the CEO at MasterCard, like the capital allocation, going with MasterCard. What do you say?
0: Why do you think I'm going to say Visa? Because I know
1: you. I can read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: going to read my mind? Visa's the leader. They, they've, they've, they're way out ahead of MasterCard, and I think that they're going to hold that. Uh, is there room for multiple credit card companies? Probably, but I think I, I like the leadership position of Visa. Would you rather own $1,200 of Visa stock or $1,000 of MasterCard stock?
1: Visa. 11, Sold me.
0: $1,100 of Visa stock or 1000 of MasterCard.
1: 50-50. Splitting them up. I'll take half an half. <laughs> I didn't tell Changing you. Changing the rules. That. Next scenario.
0: Fine. Next scenario
1: of would you rather is, would you rather own $10,000 of Discover or $11,000 on American Express? Look at you upping the ante with the $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling good. you rich. You're rich. What do you
0: say? Um, uh, that's a tough one. I would probably go... I'll go American Express. I'm swayed by the extra 10%. Yep. I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. It doesn't, it doesn't sway me that much. I think a little bit less than that, and I would have gone Discover. Straight up, I'm going Discover. Um obviously, if you give me more Discover than, yep. than American Express, I'm taking Discover.
1: What, what about you? I'm going to go with American Express, too. I think it's obviously a little bit pricier. I like Discover right now better, but they're doing some things that I'm not totally on board with. Like I know that venturing into the student loan category, I know there's most banks have been scaling back, so maybe they're being a little bit contrarian and moving into that space and taking Opportunistic, advantage. Opportunistic,
0: if you will? Yes, they are.
1: They have a good CEO with, with David Nelms, but with that 10% there... Swayed by American Straight stories. up, which way are you going? Discover. All right, there you go. Next Fini- scenario. Finishing off,
0: is, is this our last one? Oh, would you rather own eBay or any of the previous
1: mentioned companies? I'm going to go with MasterCard.
0: MasterCard over eBay.
1: MasterCard over eBay, yes. Okay. Um, I, I just think the market position of MasterCard is more entrenched than, than what we would... Uh, what ebay's got over there so I, I like the business of paypal but i still think it, it could be easily disrupted by some other competitors mastercard not so much
0: Eas- you think easily
1: are we gonna easily talk bitcoin disrupted. later we'll talk about bitcoin uh, in a- another show but i think this you thing think bitcoin is gonna <laughs> what's your answer not even go there wait is there anybody else you would take
0: over ebay besides just mastercard no that's it yep um, potentially, potentially Visa. Um, I don't know about Discover. I don't know about Mastercard.
1: Um, You're very solid in your opinions today.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Is, is that a problem? You yeah, no thinking. With thinking? I, I would, I would probably take eBay above just about all of them. All right, I think. So Except yeah. maybe Visa. Finish it up. Finish it up. Twitter Sphere, David. What's our first tweet? first tweet
1: is from Stan Humphries over at Zillow. He's the economist over at Zillow. He says, Schiller on CNBC, psychology is more important than affordability. Unfortunately, he's absolutely right. We saw Case Schiller numbers come out today, and housing prices for the the 20 cities in the index, up over 13%. Pretty impressive year over year. That's I was not expecting that. Color me surprised. Uh, but Schiller's on there saying people can still get a little excited when they see that. Unfortunately, uh, that, that's drive, that could drive the housing market as opposed to actual affordability. So just thought I'd throw out the numbers. I think they're both important.
0: But Schiller's, Schiller's got an obvious reason to say that psychology is more important than affordability. Right. He won his Nobel Prize for his work in behavioral uh, economics. Good so, point. I mean, It's always good to talk your own book, but I don't totally disagree. All right. All right, tweet number two. This is from Carl Quintanilla friend of friend of the fool uh, Bank of America isn't just not bad anymore they're good I think they get to $20 before JP Morgan gets to 65 that he's quoting Jim Cramer yes David what did you, you you trapped me here you picked out that you picked out that that tweet there yes. and now you have me reciting quotes from Jim Cramer explain yourself
1: well he he talks about Bank of America getting to 20 before JP Morgan gets to 65 and that'd be Bank of America going up 26% from where it is today, as opposed to 13% for J.P. Morgan. And my takeaway was, that I wrote down in my paper here, is who cares? Who cares if Bank of America gets to 20 before J.P. Morgan gets to 65? That's, that doesn't matter with the long-term thesis of either of these banks. I think both banks are well-positioned today. I like J.P. Morgan a little bit more than Bank of America, but I think they're both well-positioned for the next 5 to 10 years. I do not care who gets to 20 or who gets to 65 first.
0: I'll go on the record saying that I actually agree with you on both of those points, too.
1: That, it, that who cares?
0: And that I like J.P. Morgan a little bit better than Bank of America right now.
1: And, and I think if, if you're, if you're going to be a, a net buyer of these stocks over time, I, I would actually like them to go down a little bit. I'd like to buy more of these banks, potentially. So I'm definitely not worried about Bank of America getting to 20. J.P. Morgan, oh, I just want you to get to 65 so bad. I don't care. Kramer's fine, but I don't care. Closes out, David, last tweet. That was the last tweet. That was the last tweet? Yeah.
0: Sorry. Oh, we, finished with, we finished with Jim Cramer? Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's finish on a better, uh, on, a, on a more positive note. The more positive note is for those watching, not listening, we do have a podcast. We're available on iTunes, we're available on Swell, and we're available on Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher, that's right. And, yeah. of course, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a rating. Five stars. Why not? Why not? We mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, Love it. Uh, we're, we're on Twitter, at TMF Financials, and you can email us at WTMI at fool.com. That's all we got, right? Yep. We will be here tomorrow, sort of. Yeah. We'll be recording today, and you'll see us tomorrow. And we'll be off on Thanksgiving, and we'll see you again on Friday. Thanks for watching. See you then.
1: People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on
0: what you hear.